Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was True Heart on the Bliss album entitled Flying Free, something that I think we'll all need post-COVID, don't you think? I've been wondering how do we enter or re-enter into the world of lots of sounds and lots of movements and what type of people are we going to be in the re-entry into the world of activities and what can sometimes turn out to be a world of delusion and illusion, (laughs) as well as, of course, just fulfilling living out our lives. Have you been okay? Have you been taking care of yourself? You know, you're eating well, you're exercising. Please let us know. Do you need anything? For those of you who have lost a job, I know it must be quite a challenging time period for you. Just continue to keep visualizing the kind of job that you definitely want to walk into in this next scene of your life and hope government continues to keep its promise about, you know, all the perks and the packages that they're planning to offer our citizens of this great nation. And it's my pure wish that you have been creating the best thoughts and vibrations for your humanity and for each other because we will definitely need to see the good in each other as we come back re-together, you know, on the physical level. I know through Zoom and through Internet, through YouTube, Facebook, whatever, Snapchat, now they have TikTok and this book and that book. I know all of that has been good because you feel there's like a little veil in between, you know, the world really wanting to see too much of who you are. But when we do come back in front of each other physically, in what sort of a consciousness are you planning to return into or return with? The veil or the freedom of the veil? Which one? Think about it. We're now in a process of really combining head and heart. We're here to bring the best of ourselves, and even when it's not the best, then we're able to still ask for help or at least to be honest and open enough to say, hey, I could have done better here. But when we talk about better and good and great and amazing, I think of my next guest. Asher is his name. Asher Lobb. Remember that name. Asher, A-S-H-E-R, Lobb, L-A-U-B. He began to learn classical violin at the tender age of two. And he performed with the Buffalo Philharmonic by age 13. His expertise in improvisation across multiple genres has led him to a career as a soloist in demand, performing at venues such as Madison Square Garden, Hammerstein Hall, Lincoln Center, Carnegie Hall, across all four continents. And in 2014, Asher lived a musician's nightmare. He confronted a health issue that could have been absolutely life-altering. But he saw this experience as an opportunity to reinvent himself to the high-energy contemporary violinist that we see today. He blends popular tunes and breakdancing choreography into his performance, which captivates his audience like nothing you've ever seen. Asher has also been featured on PBS and has made headlines on CNN, WABC, NBC, and many other major news sources, and today you can find Asher on America Meditating Radio. Hi, Asher. Welcome to our show. So glad you could join us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
Now, I heard that you're in New York. I believe you're living there, which has been impacted very deeply by COVID-19. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's hurt us the worst compared to most states because we're sort of at the hub of uh, international airports. Well, uh, considering I can't really complain, being well taken care of home in Long Island, my wife and I, we've just been teaming up to take care of our two kids and continue on with our careers. She's a professor, and I'm just working from home, still connecting with my fans through online media and Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. So I'm still staying busy there and working on my albums. So it's been a bit of a balancing act, but, you know, taking care of the kids and they're supposed to be in school and managing our careers. But, uh, yeah, it's working out so far. Has the time sheltering in place brought about any major relations for you personally? Well, I could probably write a book about it, but, uh, you know, I have to say, you know, the impact that this has had, the shelter in place has had on uh, New Yorkers, it's probably had the greatest negative impact on people in in apartments, uh, people without a backyard. I'm lucky enough to have a backyard and a field across the street, so... We haven't really suffered in that regard. You know, our kids are still able to enjoy a little bit of nature. But it's been very challenging as far as not being able to connect with individuals on a personal basis to not be able to shake their hands, give anybody a hug, you know, just be sort of confined to just my immediate family. It's difficult to not be able to see my in-laws, my parents, friends, extended family. That's definitely a challenge, and I definitely miss. You miss the human connection, the kind of touching each other, you know, getting together, having a drink, having just chit-chats with each other. Exactly. That's been really difficult. And I, th- I think, you know, people are just fed up now. They just, just want to get out and enjoy their lives. And I don't know how much longer people can handle just being cooped up. I know there's some people I've spoken to, and I don't know if it's just people that I know, but there's some people who've been actually enjoying being sort of inward, I'm not quite sure how the balancing act will be when life moves forward into a new form of norm. But then I guess we'll see. You know, when everything opens up, we just can only assume, but we even can't even do that, right? Oh, yeah. And there have been some upsides to this catastrophe. You know, less pollution, an opportunity, like you mentioned, for people to focus inward and possibly to meditate and kind of recalibrate and get to know themselves a bit better and the people around them. So I've benefited a bit in that regard. I've sort of, you know, changed up my routine. So when I was about 13, I had a choice of choosing the violin or the cello. And I chose the violin, (laughs) but there were no more seats available for violin. So I ended up with the cello. Uh And I used to just love to watch the violinist play in class and used to be so angry that I didn't get a chance to do my violin. And I was having dinner at Whoopi's house, and we were fundraising for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. And I met three siblings, Sean, Lauren, and David Carpenter who absolutely are the most incredible family I have met in a long time. And they are like this violin family. And they actually have these, what's the name of that special violin that you can't get? Stradivarius. Yep, 
and they travel around the world playing in these special venues and special places. The Stradivari, that's it, right? Yeah, Stradivari. And they Mm -hmm. can't even travel on regular planes because the violins are worth over a million dollars now. For sure. Oh, when you listen and watch them play it, I think you'll get an idea of how absolutely progressive and how profound your work is. So I'd love if you could share with me and our audience, you know, what was it about the violin that really drew you to it, and how did it all start for you? Well, I have to thank my parents, because I was really awfully young to be able to make a conscious decision to start the violin. I'd have to go back in a time machine to really know what happened, but my mother claims that I chose the violin. I suspect that I admired my oldest brother, who's six years older than me at the time. He was playing concertos. You know, he also started young. And I probably said to my mom, hey, I want to play that. So she started me off as soon as I pointed a finger at my brother and said, hey, I want to do exactly what you're doing. So that's when the journey started. And I was so small that I began on a uh, a margarine mm-hmm. box with uh, rubber bands serving as strings because uh, there was no violin really small enough for somebody my age, and started uh, more formal lessons at two and a half, three or so. I actually remember pretty clearly. And I, yeah, I just had a really sweet teacher that I enjoyed, and I was too young to read at that point, at least initially. So I played by ear, and she just sort of gave me the feel of the violin, and I enjoyed it. I just continued. Love and I don't remember, to be honest, it wasn't like love at first sight. With the, it wasn't with the like violin. a poly. No, it wasn't. I can't lie to you on that. I did enjoy it. I think as I grew older, I wanted to play, you know, the cooler instruments, you know, guitar. But I do not regret it for one moment speaking to you now. Well, well, you, of Mm -hmm. course, of course, when you talk to me, realizations start to kick in. (laughs) So I think that's why, Asher, you've taken it to a whole different level. I mean, it might be because... Not only do you hold a nursing degree from NYU, but you also have three degrees in sciences, right? So there's Mm -hmm. something in you that it must be combining all of that experience, the compassion, the empathy of, you know, holding a nursing degree, diving deep into science. Mm -hmm. That has a role to play with the way that your passion emerges. So, you know, what would you say Mm -hmm. is the source, though, of your inspiration where your music is concerned? Is there a place that you go to on the inside that brings out not only the music, but now you're mixing it with dancing and connecting with contemporary music. Where are you pulling your source from to get this sort of a music that we're going to hear today that I'm going to play for everyone? Well, you know, I think a lot of it's subconscious, which I guess your listeners may be a little surprised to hear. It's not this carefully planned, okay, these are my thoughts, what am I feeling and how does the song come together? And it often correlates with what's going on in my life. So in the case of Freefall, that is something that I composed uh, right as Corona was happening and people were starting to get hit hard. It's sort of a no-brainer to sort of have it emerge as this depression type of, by the end, sort of hopeful resolve of a song, something with a message for the country and for the world that's suffering during this very challenging times. I guess to answer your question, it's not something that I consciously decide. It's really just something that the the music kind of comes. I feel it. And the dancing, I just feel like I can connect more with the music when I'm dancing. And I can connect more with my audience. It's just 
I feel so elated, so excited to be able to play music full-time for a living. And it's something that I enjoy deeply. Nothing really quite measures up to it. And I love being different. (laughs) I love being just (laughs) original. I love being uniquely myself. And it's something that I'm proud of because I spent most of my life being concerned about being the same, being like other people, you know, looking at my peers. And I'm so relieved to be in a place now where I don't really care anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm just trying to enjoy my life. And uh, unfortunately, it took a huge trauma, an unforgettable trauma, which you mentioned already. Yeah, tell us about that. What was the health crisis that you had faced in 2014 that took you to another level within yourself and you know, how did you get over it? I have to be careful how I go about explaining it because I don't want it to be misconstrued, misunderstood, which it often has been. But to explain it as briefly as possible, I was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency. It was something that was sort of gradually happening definitely into my early adolescent phase of my life. And I didn't understand what was going on, why things were getting worse. And I finally sought, you know, very expensive advice and help. But it's during that time period, about mid-20s, that's when things went uh, awry and, and I just lost the ability to walk. And it was a very scary time in my life. My family didn't know what was flying. And basically, I was lucky enough to get out of it with a lot of research, with a lot of support. I'm healthier now than I've ever been. Great. I'm sorry if this all sounds really cryptic. <laughs> you know, no, some no, interpret it as... as solely mental health, but yeah, what's that? No, it doesn't. And again, don't even worry about what other people are thinking anymore. Remember, you're over that. <laughs> you're basically you're basically yeah, living yeah, out but, yourself now. Oh, yeah. It's not so much about my concern about other people thinking, oh, what's he up to? It's more that I don't want people to misinterpret. There's a lot of tension around medicine. I'm a mainstream nurse in terms of my education, And there's a lot of tension between alternative homeopathic and, you know, mainstream medical modalities. From what I've experienced, you know, within the nursing field, within the medical field, uh, which really shouldn't exist. They should sort of coexist a bit better. And that's why I want to be careful about what I say, you know, how I healed, what does it put me in that position in the first place. But I can say that, you know, with absolute confidence that, I ended up there, well, forget about how I ended up there. I got better because I had a lot of faith in my abilities. And thank God, being in this seemingly impossible position and just looking at my future self and deciding, you know what, what are you going to do? Are you just going to give up? Are you going to just stay in bed, end up on steroids? Or are you going to win your family back and regain your strength and do what it is that you're kind of meant to do? And thank God I got better and I had the privilege of just taking a look at life from a different lens. And and that's why I went into music, really. You know, I have all the other, these other degrees I I could pursue and music's where it's at for me. Yeah. Well, I think because the music is such a soul process, you know, when any of us, whether you're singing or performing a dance or playing an instrument, it's something that comes deep within. And that's something I've been wanting to do, Asher, like to sing or just go more into an instrument again. Mark you, my life has a completely sort of a different physical activity, so 
I grapple with finding the time to do it, but one day I will. Now, I've seen the videos mm. of you breakdancing across stages with your <laughs> LED electronic violin. And I know for those mm. who are listening on air, they're like, how does he play the violin while he's breakdancing? Tell us a little bit about that whole process. How did it start? It started really a short I would say four and a half years ago. This all is pretty new to me, I got to say. It's just a beginning to evolve, and it's evolving quickly. But I did have a little bit of an advantage. I pieced together my adolescent gymnastics. So, you know, I knew how to do the flips, and it's pretty active as a kid. And I've been playing violin my entire life, and I found that I was able to improvise. That's something I've been working on for the last 15, 20 years or so. So I just sort of took those niche skills and I put them together and I wasn't able to dance and play until I really knew the song, like really, really knew the song and really knew the moves. So honestly, it's kind of difficult when I show up to an event, some people like to surprise me with like, Hey, play, and we're all going to take out our cell phones and videotape you. And it's sort of difficult for me to navigate that because it's like, I can't improv with my feet and body and hands and brain it's just a lot you really have to practice (laughs) (laughs) i bet how do you feel when you're up there playing the violin and some moves are starting to move your feet it must be electrifying huh it is it feels so good i can't really put it into words. words yeah 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 i'm not the best at articulating my feelings but yes. it's something that feels so good. It just feels right, and it's just fun. And I just feel really good about myself. What does your wife say about your performance when she sees you busting a move and playing classical music that's connected <laughs> to current-day genre? She's like, who did I just marry? <laughs> what does she say? You know, yeah, God bless her because she's the impetus. She's the reason why I continued on this path. I'm finishing up nursing school. I'm like, sweetheart, you know, I got to get a job, like a day job. And, you know, this is meaningful work. And I was teaching for four years in the DOE and got a degree there also. And she's like, you know what? Your passion's in music. And I think there's just all this potential. And people keep calling you, even when you're not pursuing the music and live performances. She's the reason why I'm doing this, really. I wouldn't do it without her blessing and her encouragement. Well, thanks for that. Tell us a little bit about your latest single, Freefall. What's the story behind it? So Freefall is a bit of a departure from my other original songs, which are going on this forthcoming album. And again, because of the COVID-19 phase that we're in, which is just unprecedented. And it's a bit of a sad, reflective, meditative type intro and middle. But it really resolves, in my opinion, to be ultimately a hopeful piece that's what I want the message to be in the music video, which is going to be coming out very soon, about half done now. Free Fall is really what the name is. Somebody describes a somebody who just feels like they're, they've completely lost control of their life. They're just sinking and sinking and wallowing in depression, and they just, it just seems like they can't get out of that state of mind, and ultimately they do. And I just think it's, yeah, it's just a beautiful piece that just felt like needed to be written. Okay, and I just felt the song. 
Beautiful. Why don't we let our audience listen to it for a little? Yeah. All right. Here's Free Fall, everyone, from Asher Lobb. Enjoy. Take violin to a whole different level. <laughs> oh, that's that so fantastic. nice of you. Thank you. Oh, that's <laughs> just so beautiful. I can't wait for the whole album to come out. When do you think it's going to be released? Oh, I'm working hard on it every day. I'm aiming for a few months. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of preparation that goes into the release of an album um, beyond just, just producing the music. But I'm six songs into it, you know, about three songs left or so, four. Lovely. So when you look back at life and you pick out some of the most profound moments for you, what would you say has been one of your greatest achievements so far? I'm going to have to say one of my greatest achievements. I don't know if this is a question about professional as opposed to personal, but one of my greatest achievements by far was marrying my wife and having two beautiful children, raising them to be, you know, 
but that's not so much the professional end of things. No, but that's an achievement. Um, I, when you can feel so satisfied with family, that's a major achievement. I mean, a lot of people are together and they just can't stand each other. So I think that that's a very special achievement. It means to me that you've been putting some energy into family, which is a big value for you. So is there something that's been very memorable for you as a life lesson? Yeah, getting out of that wheelchair. The obvious message for me when I got up and I and I got better was that there's really nothing that can stand in my way. And, you know, with enough focus and you just have to have the right attitude. That happened a short few years ago, and that just completely changed my perspective. I'd have to say that was one of the greatest, most impactful moments, phases in my life, although I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Also not professional so much, but uh, personal achievement, yeah. Yeah, I get that. So as you continue to progress and work on your new album that's coming out, raising your children, loving your wife more, looking forward to spending time with friends, what's the life message that you'd like to offer our world and our humanity? What's the message you'd like to share or offer the world as best life practice? I think being at peace with yourself is a pretty important message to convey to people. I think a lot of a lot of folks out there who are restless, unsettled, unhappy in their lives, they're not at peace with themselves. You know, they're always looking at other people. And I think that just focusing on internal happiness is be very much useful mm, in uh, you know, achieving message. a person's goal. Beautiful message. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's important for us to be ourselves and to continue to live a full life, you know, just not get caught up in all the gunk. So leave us with the best website that our listeners can get a hold of you and find out more about your music. I've already followed you on Spotify, by the way. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) That means so much. It means a lot. My main website is asherlaub.com, A-S-H-E-R-L-A-U-B.com. And there's a million other sites you can find my work on. Like you mentioned, there's you know, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Amazon. <laughs> you know, go to, it's, it's everywhere. Like you mentioned, YouTube, also Instagram, Facebook. Just search my name, Asher Love. Fantastic. Asher, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Continue playing your music. And I am certain there will be much more of you going around and a lot of service that your music will be doing to help others to feel better. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. All the best. Take care. Take care. <laughs> it's interesting how your mom can get you stuck with a instrument when you're a young kid, right? And you're like, oh, it's torture. And then somewhere along the path, you're like, oh, it's torture into pleasure. And then somewhere along the path, you go, mom does know best. So visit Ashalaub at A-S-H-E-R-L-A-U-B.com. You're going to love the way that he does his music and I have some ideas already to connect him with some really awesome people to get his music going farther and wider. 
So remember, my dear friends, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. Please remember to pause for your traffic control. Every hour on the hour, take 30 seconds of inner peace and outer peace and send these vibrations to everyone across the globe and in your family so that there can be a lot more peace and we can see more good in ourselves and in one another. Take care, be well, and I'll end the show today with Lifted by Bliss. You take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.